This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Loom, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost in overtime to the Detroit Pistons by a score of 112 to 107. Um, in Detroit, uh, you know, classic Pistons game. Um, you, know, you got busloads of Raptors fans, seven entire mega buses full of Raptors fans um, taking in the sights in Detroit, uh, very loud in the arena. They were very visible, of course, and uh, it created for this kind of hostile atmosphere where, you know, it was a physical game as well on top of that. Um, the Pistons are a physical team as it is. Blake Griffin is... <laughs> man is very physical Drummond obviously very physical as well um, and the Raptors kind of um, didn't really play into that but really it was kind of an ugly game where the Raptors shot under 40% from the field um, and yeah it was just I don't, I don't know man it, it wasn't the most fun game to watch to be honest and, and that's not really because of the result because the Raptors did actually have some chances to win but uh Let's start at the beginning. Raptors start out the game really, really slow. I think they were down like 12 to 4 at some point, like really early on. They just couldn't get their offense going. Um, you know, they righted their ship early on, though. Um, you know, Kyle started taking control of the team. He was very aggressive from the jump. He was obviously the Raptors' best player tonight. Um, Kawhi Leonard out with uh, load management, so it was up to Kyle to uh, step up, and Kyle really did do that. Um, and you know, as sort of similar to that magic game, it was Kyle that sort of jolted them out of their malaise and unlike the magic game, they actually sustained their effort. But, um, you know, it, it was, uh, they, they competed pretty hard third quarter, you know, it's pretty narrow for the first half. Um, you know, Norm Powell actually got it going there for a little bit in the second quarter. So, so he kind of carried the bench third, um, third period came around, um, some, you, you, I mean, it was weird. The, the referees started taking a big part in the in the game because in the third quarter there, you got uh, 
technicals on Danny Green and a technical on Pascal Siakam, and then Zaza Pachulia got kicked out for. I mean, I don't want to side with Zaza. I don't sympathize with that man whatsoever. But like, you know, aside from the fact that we both have the biggest heads in the world, um, but uh, yeah, Zaza got blocked, and um, you know, he he was clearly fouled, and then he got ejected. So it it was a weird, weird game. Raptors were like. At one point, the Pistons had a, or the Raptors got called for five personal fouls and two technical fouls to zero personal fouls and zero technical fouls for the Pistons. It was a very strange quarter, but, um, you know, I think the Raptors, again, behind Lowry, who was really inspired in this one, um, you know, could have basically, like, thrived in that adversity, really responded to it, and started uh, playing really hard, and, and... made their push and actually took a seven-point lead at one point. Kyle was splashing some threes. Norm was hitting a corner three here and there. Um, you know, some some Marcus All had a three during that stretch. It, it was just it was nice to see the Raptors, you know, step up defensively, force some turnovers, get out on the break. And it looked like from that point the Raptors are going to con- like just hold control of the game and sort of ride it out. That didn't happen, though, however, because the bench was just awful, awful in the third and fourth quarter there. The Pistons went on a 15-0 run, largely against the bench units. And um, a lot of that came down to my boy Jeremy, who, oh, my God, he was bad today. Like, just really, really bad. You know, I I love Jeremy. I will always love Jeremy. But, man, the guy shot 0 of 8 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. He got the start today uh, in places of uh, Kawhi. I mean, good Lord. I mean, that, that that's bad. He finished with one point. Um, and he looked completely out of sorts, and and it just seemed like the central action of the bench, which should be Lynn and Mbaka working pick and roll, it just doesn't quite seem to work. Um, you know, a couple of times I've seen them run it, like they're kind of like cutting each other off, kind of going to the same spot, sort of screwing up their um, their spacing, and I think it really comes down to uh, Jeremy and Ibaka both want to play in that mid range area. Um, you know, and Ibaka really needs a point guard to sort of come off the screen, let him slip, and then lead him to the spot in, in the elbow area where he can catch and then, you know, rise up. And he's usually automatic. Um, but, I mean, it, it seems like Serge hasn't really hit that mid-range shot with any consistency for the last couple of weeks now um, since he's been playing more with the bench units. And, you know, like, obviously, Lowry knows how to get Ibaka going, but it doesn't seem like Lynn has that same ability. And to the point about, you know, playing in the mid-range area, Jeremy also likes to, you know, come across a high screen and then probe around and then occasionally pull up from that mid-range area where the defense might sag off or whatever. And, and he's pretty good at that shot. But, you know, it's it's sort of a situation where, he you know, he just needs to make a concession to Ibaka, let Ibaka have a couple of those jumpers. And then and then once Ibaka establishes himself, then Jeremy should look for a shot. But in any case, the, the bench unit just wasn't working. Um you know, and, and that wasn't even because it was just like defensively they weren't playing well. Like Ish Smith kept breaking down the point of uh, attack and then getting into the paint and the Raptors would collapse the paint really hard and then Ish would kick the ball out. Like the guy had eight assists in 20 minutes. And like I swear all those were driving kicks. And, and, and you know, Ish Smith always gets the Raptors issues. It's kind of really annoying. But yeah, I mean, you know, the Raptors had to fight back. Uh, fourth quarter there. Uh, he's, you know, tight finish down the stretch. OG gets a uh, crucial tip-in um, to tie the game at 100. And the Raptors actually had a good chance to win this game. Nick Nurse called timeout with 1.5 seconds left. And they drew up a pretty good play where there was, a, you know, like a little down screen. And then um, Marcus saw pop free in, like, the opposite corner. So Kyle threw an inbound pass sort of 
you know, to the uh, to the corner. Very, very good pass right in Gasol's hands. Gasol had a clean look, uh, tossed it up. It, it didn't it didn't go in, which is unfortunate. And then the game had to go to overtime. Overtime, the Raptors looked like they again had control. Um, you know, Kyle came out with a driving layup. They got some free throws, and um, I think they took like a five point lead. And um, yeah, it was just. It just wasn't the, the cleanest finish. The Raptors' offense kind of completely went dry and got stuck on 107, which is where they ended the game, whereas the Pistons, you know, got a couple of foul calls here and there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, Drummond hit some free throws. I mean, the guy has improved his free throws, but him switching two free throws in overtime, I, I didn't expect that. Um, Reggie Jackson hit some really tough shots. And, uh, and yeah, the Raptors, and you know, they, they lost the game. You know, it is it kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, I and honestly, I wasn't too worried about this game. I, I didn't even watch it live. <laughs> it's not much I thought of the importance of the game. Um, went to Spoon and Fork in Etobicoke, so shout out Etobicoke. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not too I'm not too worried about this game. I really not. I'm not worried about playing the Pistons in the playoffs too much. Um, you know, I think we know what the Pistons are, right? Like the, Blake Griffin's gonna have his numbers and he's a legitimate issue like he's gonna run those little dribble handoffs he's gonna be real physical with the screen he's gone so good at being physical with that screen especially when they run it with a shooter with a guy like ellington they used to run it with bullock and now it's ellington and i guess they can also run it with uh canard um but uh yeah blake's really good at either you know creating that open jumper for the shooter coming around the handoff or um forcing a switch and then him going to that post up in the middle of the floor and it's just like an action and they can spam a hundred times and you know they're always going to get good looks out of it because Blake going to the basket against the smaller guys is, is going to force you to help and then he's a pretty good passer as well so um you know he's an issue but I mean really like it's just I'm looking down the rest of the roster like Ellington's kind of a threat like he's always moving he's always cutting and he's sort of he's kind of slightly physical and you know like he's obviously steeped in that heat culture so, you know, he gives the Raptors problems, and he has in the past. And then Ish Smith, honestly. Ish Smith has always killed the Raptors. So, um, you know, he, especially with the Raptors bench playing as shit as they are, like, yeah, Ish Smith is going to be a problem. But, like, eh, the rest of that roster, not really. Like, not really. I'm not seeing it. I'm not too concerned about it. Like, Dwayne has actually, I'll give Dwayne Casey a lot of credit for drawing up great defensive schemes against the Raptors. In both games, the Raptors shot under 40%. Um, but, like, I don't know. I think that first game was really Dwayne. I'm sorry, um, Kawhi Leonard had an off game, and today he didn't even play. So you, you, you take 28 per game, points per game out of the lineup, that's going to affect your offense. But um, yeah, I mean, ultimately it, it, sh- it should be fine playing the Pistons. But I mean, I'm not too worried. I mean, in fact, I was actually kind of encouraged by this game just because Kyle played so well. He gets the first start tonight: 35 points, seven rebounds, five assists, a steal, 11 to 24 shooting. Hit six threes, got to the free throw line nine times, played 42 minutes, which is a bit of a concern. He's been really heavy minutes of late, but, uh, you know, it's nice to know he can still do this. I mean, first off, it's like game, what, uh, 64 of the season, and this is Kyle's first 30-point game. This is slightly concerning, but in any case, it's nice to know that Kyle can still dial back and get this kind of, you know, production. I think part of it was he took it personal that he was getting guarded by Bruce Brown and Wayne Ellington, who are not good defenders. Um, but, I mean, you know, Larry played really well tonight, and he was really aggressive. He was really assertive from start to finish. He really maintained his energy, and uh, 
that's what you want to see out of Kyle. It really is, you know? And him going to the basket, too. Like, that's just something that just, you know, for a solid, like, month and a half there in the Raptors season, Kyle just wasn't going to the rim whatsoever. Maybe he was preserving himself. Maybe it was the bad back. But it, he looks a lot better physically. Over the last 10 games, he's averaged 18 points a game, shooting 43% from deep on 8 attempts per game. Like, that's exactly where the Raptors need um, Larry to be in terms of his production to, for the Raptors as a whole to be at their best because... You need him to be a scoring threat, especially from deep, and um, he's been, he's been killing it in that regard. And if he can mix in a couple more driving layups, like you know he had that huge driving layup over Yusuf Nurkic um, against the uh, against the Blazers in crunch time on Friday, and uh, you know today he had some pretty important buckets. Although he couldn't get a layup to drop over Ellington that would have tied the game in, in, in overtime. I don't know. It was it was a strange game, but in any case, Larry was very effective and. I'm encouraged. I really am by his performance tonight. He's obviously, you know, super, super vital to the success of this team. Um, so I can start giving that to uh, Pascal. 21 points, 10 of 20 shooting, 1 of 4 from deep, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, the one thing with Pascal that I had to say, like, whatever, like, he, he had a great game. Like, we know Pascal, he can do this almost any night, to be honest. Um, but the one thing I got to say with Pascal is this man does not get any respect from the officials and it's definitely not proportionate to how important he is to the Raptors now I'm not saying the referees should give him an easy whistle just because you know he's on the Raptors and he's important to the Raptors however he is at a level now where his reputation is um is behind his production as a player right and I would say Gasol is someone who I, he, he gets a couple of reputation calls and Kyle gets reputation calls for sure Pascal is the opposite. He doesn't get the kind of calls that um, he gets. Honestly, he gets outright disrespected by the whistle. And I mean, like, okay, so Pascal had uh, five fouls today, right? And and for the most of the second half, he battled foul trouble. Part of that was because he was guarding Blake Griffin. But however, you got to look back on some of the foul calls he was actually whistled for, like. Um, he got called for a moving screen that was clearly a makeup call right after Jeremy Lin took a charge on Andre Drummond going the other way. Like, if you watch the replay, and I did, Pascal just, it doesn't even move. It's the most innocuous thing, and it's clear the referee's saying, okay, we'll just tag this random guy with a, with a, with a foul, so then everything evens out because the Pistons weren't happy about the charge call. Like, Come on, you can't just give that foul to Pascal. Like he, he's too important for that to happen. And he again, I, I swear he did not move on that screen. And then like a couple minutes later, he gets whistled for like a blocking foul on Thon Maker, where he's standing perfectly still. And Thon, it's Thon Maker. Like this guy has no clout whatsoever, and you're calling a blocking foul on Pascal for that. It was a bad call. And then like a couple possessions later, like. Pascal's just guarding Blake Griffin, and Blake just does, like, a rip-through move on the perimeter. Like, this is 30 feet from the basket, and and Pascal gets his fifth foul on that. Like, come on. Are you serious? Come on. And it's the same shit that happened in the in the, in the, the Blazers game where, you know, Pascal was, like, he wasn't even doing anything. Like, he just he went for the rebound, but he didn't even touch Nurkic. And it was 80 feet from the basket, and he got called for a foul, and Nurkic got to shoot free throws off of that. Like, you know, like, Pascal is too important, honestly. This is why I really do think that he needs to win some kind of award, some kind of recognition. You know, that most improved player, obviously, is right there for him. Because I I, I do feel like, you know, he's too important for the Raptors. Um, he's too important to the Raptors to be called in this way. And um, the officiating, uh, you know, for Siakam just, it, it's not friendly, man. It's it's really not friendly. He deserves better than that. He, he's earned 
He's earned more respect from the referees. But uh, he gets a second start tonight. You know, guarding Blake Griffin is never easy. So, um, you know, Pascal. Hope you uh, spend a night in the ice tub or something. And then third star, I'm giving that to OJ Anobi. Um, really solid um, with his energy tonight. Uh, kind of the unsung hero of this game. Um, you know, he had a blunder at the end of the game where he had a semi-open look at the top of the three that could have tied the game and forced a second overtime. He hesitated, but then he pulled right after that and he, he airballed it and it kind of ended the game right there. It was unfortunate, but I mean, like the reason he was in the game in, in overtime to begin with, and he played 35 minutes tonight, is because his energy and defense was great, like really, really good. The Raptors found some success um, switching the action between OG and Pascal, putting OG on a shooter like Ellington. And then, um, you know, when Blake Griffin would do that handoff thing that I described earlier, they would just switch. And that kind of effectively, you know, um, at, at least for a, for a while, it kind of effectively capped the production on that play. And OG was really solid defensively on that end. And also he hustled, man. He just really, really hustled. Like he got a, he forced a jump ball. He had five offensive rebounds um, and 13 points. A lot of those in the first half. He kind of had a nice spurt when he first came into the game, but uh, he kind of fizzed. The rest of the way. However, he did have a clutch put back um, to force the first overtime in the first place. So, um, you know, I, I would love to see OG play with this type of effort all the time. Obviously, he's been up really up and down this year, and you never really know what you're going to get from him. When he does give you this type of production, though, then it, it does help the Raptors out a lot. And if the Raptors do end up playing a team like the Pistons, I mean, even a lot of these teams, like a, teams like the, the Sixers, uh, the Pacers, um, the Bucks, like you're gonna need a, a strong, versatile wing defender like OG Anobi, and it's very encouraging to see that he's coming back. He's coming around a little bit because honestly, the Raptors he he's he's very important to the team. He really is. Until the Raptors sign another big wing or maybe even a power forward, OG's gonna be very important to the team, and it's important for him to play like this on every night. And um, maybe that's too much to ask for, but he does make a big difference when he plays like this. So. Those are your three stars. And then the Gerald Henderson Award, I'm giving that to Luke Kennard. Um, he's come on really strongly late. I've always really liked Luke Kennard's game. Um, you know, he could definitely shoot it really well. Pretty smart player. Um, left-handed, so he's, you know, he's obviously crafty. And uh, tonight, 19 points on 6-10 shooting, 5 threes, and, f- you know, 5 assists. Uh, Kennard kind of torched the Raptors, not going to lie. He kind of torched the Raptors. The whole Pistons bench torched the Raptors bench, man. I mean... It was tough to watch. You got you got Ibaka out there. Ugh, Ibaka had a tough stretch, man. This whole Ibaka thing, by the way, is is not sustainable. Like it really isn't. Like he's not the same player whatsoever when he plays with the bench, and uh, he needs to play with Lowry. But then Lowry needs to play with Gasol, and Gasol can part of play with either lineup. It's just tough. You know, it's part of the problems that uh, people raise when um, the Raptors traded for. Uh, Gasol in the first place was that okay now you got a situation where you can't necessarily play all your best players all at the same time because Ibaka and Gasol you just you can't really play that jumbo lineup together in the modern NBA like they tried it today in the second quarter they tried it with Gasol and Ibaka and you know they went to the zone defense and it just it just completely kind of defeated the purpose really because you know Ibaka can't protect the rim in a zone scheme because he's out in the perimeter and also you you don't even get the benefit of having two guys who can rebound because, you know, um, they're, you're playing zones. You're, you're out of position. You're, so, I, I don't know. But, you know, just like in the Magic game, they played the Gasol, Ibaka, big lineup, and it, it just it didn't work. And if it doesn't work against Drummond and uh, Griffin, like, what else is it going to work, right? So, 
it's a bit of a concern because you know you want to be able to maximize Ibaka and Gasol, but they had since the two of them have joined the team, they have not both had a good game at the same time just yet, and don't think that's a coincidence. So ultimately, not too much to worry about in this game. You know, like they lost the game, sure, whatever, but uh, you know they've also given the Raptors, they've also given fans, you know, that very exciting Spurs win, that very exciting Celtics win, that very exciting Portland win. So. Yeah, whatever. We'll see what they do against Houston uh, on Tuesday. That's going to be a fun game for sure because CP3 is actually playing well again and Harden's still doing Harden stuff. I'm assuming that uh, Kawhi will be fresh for that one, but we'll see. But, uh, you know, the Rockets are playing well right now. You know, they, they just smacked up the, uh, the Celtics. It's not easy. In, in TD Garden, that's not easy. I mean, as much as I want to slander the Celtics, they're a good team at home, but um, Houston went in there and kind of smacked them, so... It's gonna be a, it's gonna be an exciting game, but uh, still give the Raptors the edge, just considering that uh, you know it's at the uh, Scotiabank Arena. But in any case, I'll be back Tuesday to discuss that uh, that game. When you're a pro, your reputation is built and proven over time. That's why the Home Depot carries Loctite PL Premium Max construction adhesive, the strongest on the market. It stays 100% solid after curing. It won't develop air pockets, and like your reputation, it holds up over time. Right now, get 12 or more for the bulk price of only $8.53 each. Loctite PL Premium Max at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.